don't know about you, but every single Sunday, I feel like God just wants to show up and do something. Amen. Uh, Prophet Tim Hines was here a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, and he talked about how we always invite God into the room, right? That we come into a room and then we invite God to be there in the room with us. He said, what if we seek to go into the rooms that God already is? You know, and he kind of flipped the script a little bit on that. Rather than coming into a, an empty, barren room and then asking God, come fill it, what if we were seeking the rooms that God was already occupying? You know, and, and not just physical rooms. I'm not talking about our space here today, but I'm talking about like like rooms in our hearts, room rooms in our worship, rooms in our time and our families, you know, and uh, where God is already there blessing. What if we just fought hard to get into those places? Amen. I, I thank God. I'm so grateful that for, I don't know, I, I don't remember a day, a Sunday. I, I It's... I can't remember thinking back a Sunday when God just didn't show up and his presence wasn't felt in this place. And, and I'm just thankful for that this morning. Are you thankful for that? Amen. We give God some praise. Thank you so much, worship team. Let's give our worship team a hand clap of appreciation this morning. So grateful for them. They work hard and, and come here and lead us in worship, and I'm just grateful for them today. Uh, Bob, could I ask you just to help me with a little bit of light? We're just a little dark. Thank you so much. Well, everybody, and then under the balcony, if you would. There we go. Now I can see your faces. Amen. <laughs> Good to see everybody today. How many of you are glad to be in church? Amen. You know, we're, we're coming into Easter Sunday in two weeks, and in two weeks being Easter Sunday, that'll mark the two-year mark uh, that Jessica and I came to be the pastors here at Redemption Point. Uh, but also, even more importantly than that, it's a one-year mark since we were shut down last year. So I w we were coming into Easter and planning and just, uh, just ex so excited about our Easter service in 2020, and then... Uh, just a, a few weeks before Easter, we realized uh, we couldn't couldn't have service. We were we were shut down. So I am I am feeling extremely blessed that we reopened on Mother's Day uh, of last year, and then came flowing, and we've just been rocking and and rolling, and God has been doing His thing. And I'm just I'm grateful that coming into this Easter, we can invite people. And we don't have to invite people fearfully. You know, we've got enough space in this place between the balcony and downstairs that we can fit a lot more people than we have now and still be socially distanced. And it's, and it's all good. Amen. So so be inviting people. And uh, if they're a little cautious about coming to church, listen, uh, invite people that don't have a church, please. Uh, don't invite people that already have a church. You know, if they already have a church, we want them at their church. Amen. Uh, but if they don't have a church, there's enough people in our county. There, there are so many people in our county that don't have a home church, that don't have a place to, to call home and a place to come worship and a place to unite with other believers. And, uh, and there's a lot of people in our county who aren't believers, you know, who just haven't met Jesus yet. And I want Redemption Point to be a place where we do reach those people that need Jesus. Amen. And part of that, it, it doesn't happen from the pulpit so much. Uh, it does when they show up here. Uh, and then we have live stream, and we, we reach some, some folks on live stream, but the majority of the way that we reach people is you guys. 
the majority of the way that, that we reach unbelievers and people who need to come into a, a knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord is through you guys. So I just want to encourage you as you go out uh, in the next two weeks coming into Easter. How many of you know there's tons of people who are Christers? Anybody know what a Christer is? Uh, that's where you show up to church on Christmas and Easter only, right? There, there's tons of people who only go to church on Christmas and Easter. And I think the stats say that if 80% of people who are invited to church will show up. Uh, but I think a lot of the time we just fail uh, to invite people. So I want to encourage you to, to start inviting, start reaching out to people. I, 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 I know that you already are, a lot of you are, but I want to encourage you to do it more. And I know that because I run into people and I meet people and they're like, yeah, we met so-and-so from your church and they told us how exciting it is and things that are happening and things that are going on and they invited us to church and if I didn't already have a church, I'd be there, you know. And I, I run into people that say that all the time, so I know you're inviting. Uh, let's reach out to people that you know uh, maybe don't have a church or, or people who don't know Jesus yet. And let, let's get them here. Amen. Let's fill up this place so that they can hear the gospel uh, on Easter Sunday and what it's all about and how good Jesus is. Amen. How many of you are grateful for how good Jesus is? Jesus is so, so good to me. I'm, I'm so grateful for him. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just... I'm overwhelmed today with his goodness. So uh, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Last week we, we checked into first part of this message, and this week we're going to dive into the last half of this message and then finish up our gospel series next Sunday, uh, which is Palm Sunday. And then we're going to be uh, rolling into Easter service on the first Sunday of April, and then we're going to be moving into Acts uh, so we're so we're talking about the gospel, and then we're going to end kind of the gospel series this month, but not really because we're still going to be talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday, and then we're going to roll into the Acts after that. So, so uh, be studied up, you know, read through. If you're looking for a place to to read the Bible, and maybe you don't don't. Uh, Maybe you're not that great at it yet, and if you're not, it's okay. Don't be shamed. Don't feel condemned. You know, just if you're looking for a place that, man, I just, I really want to read the Bible, but I haven't been able to lately, or I'm not sure where to start, uh, can I encourage you to start reading uh, where we're at today in Luke, and when you go home, just read straight through Luke, read through the, the book of Luke, and then start Acts, you know, and start getting prepped and ready for, for Acts and what's going to happen uh, that we're going to be moving into next month. So it's just a, an encouraging way. Acts is a great place for you to, to read the Bible and find out what, uh, what Jesus did after the cross, amen, and what he put into place, which is the fruits of which we're showing today. So we're, we're gathered together as the church today, and we're the fruits of what happened in Acts on the day of Pentecost, amen. So we, we are the fruits of that. So you need to know, you need to know your heritage, amen. You need, you need to know where you come from, <laughs> Go ahead and shake your head and say that. We need to know where we come from. Yeah, nobody did that, did they? Yeah. You're like, you did. All right. Thank you, Dean. Somebody did it. Nobody likes to do what I ask. That's all right. So... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. So in the gospel last week, we talked about forgiven, and, and we, we dove into how we're forgiven. And, and I'll be honest with you, I got lost in that. That was only supposed to be about a 15-minute opener to this message. And, and then we were going to end on forgiving others and really dive into that. But last week, I got lost in that, guys. I got lost remembering the day that God, uh, that Jesus forgave me of, of all my sins. And uh, remembering the day, uh, I remember the day that I ran to the altar as an 
eight-year-old little boy. Uh, but then I remember I did that that day out of fear because the pastor was preaching hellfire and brimstone, man, and, and he scared me to death. And I got up out of that back pew, and I ran to the altar, and I didn't care what my little friends thought about it. You know, I ran to the altar and slid in like it was third base uh, because I didn't want, want nothing to do with hellfire and brimstone and the worms that eat your flesh and never die. I didn't want anything to do with any of that, you know, so I got saved out of fear. But there was a second moment in my life where I uh, truly committed myself to Jesus. I, I had grown up in the church, but there was a second moment that I remember so dearly, and I got lost in it last week where I hit my knees, and I didn't give my heart to him out of fear, but I gave my heart to him out of love. I was so grateful for who he is and what he was doing in my life that I gave my heart to him out of love. And I got lost in that last week, so we didn't get very far in this message. So basically, we started the forgiven portion of the gospel series. Uh, we talked about how the good news of the gospel rests on forgiveness. It rests on a foundation of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key to the gospel. When we, forgiveness is the key to salvation. Forgiveness is the key to eternal life. Forgiveness is the key for, for those of us who have received Jesus and come out of a life of death uh, into a life of life. Amen. That he, he raised us spiritually from the dead into life. And it was all about forgiveness. Forgiveness is that key. And, and we talked about how this sermon has two sections, which is uh, God forgives us and we forgive others. Uh, we dove into the story of the lost sheep. We talked about the story of the lost coin. We talked about the story of the lost son. Uh, and then we really uh, talked about how there's, uh, that salvation is a free gift. Amen. Did anybody uh, kind of grasp that and understand how, how salvation is a free gift? And not only is it a free gift, but it's easy to open. Amen. God doesn't make it hard for us to open. It's just a moment of, of asking him to forgive us of our sins. It's that free gift. He didn't make it hard to open. But we talked about how the Pharisees who were watching and listening to Jesus teach wanted to make the gift hard to open. Right? They want to wrap it like that mean uncle at Christmas who wraps all his gifts with duct tape. You know what I mean? They, they want to wrap it up like that to, to watch you struggle to open. And we talked about how Pharisees and religious people uh, want you to do all the work before you receive forgiveness. Uh, but that's not the way the gospel is made. The gospel is made. You come to him and you ask for forgiveness and he gives it to you as a free, easy to open gift. And then because we're so grateful for what Jesus did for us, uh, then we go to work. Amen. Then we go to work. Then we allow God to, to do changes in our hearts and in our minds and in our relationships and in our life. And, uh, and we love that. So forgiveness is that free gift. But then we talked about how for, forgiveness is that free gift that requires sharing. Right? That once you receive forgiveness, you need to share forgiveness. And yet that was the point in the sermon where I started throwing uh, little Debbies around the audience. Right? I started, started chucking them up in the balcony. And then little Debbies at the box was filled with something that, that we got free from God. But then God requires us to share it with others. And that's sharing the gospel with other people so they receive the free gift of the gospel. But if you're in Luke chapter 17, this is where we're going to pick up from last week. And if you're there, go ahead and say amen. If you need a second, say, hold on. If you're just going to watch the screens, go ahead and hold your hand up. I'm just teasing. So we're going to start reading in Luke 17, verse 1, and it reads like this. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. 
It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Let's pray this morning over the message. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence today and just hear your word. Father, as always, your word is anointed, but I pray, Father, that everything I speak about your word will be anointed today. That those of us who need to hear this message specifically because of areas in our life, Father, that we would have, have our hearts tilled up like, like ground that is ready to receive the seeds. And Father, I pray that the seeds of this message would get planted into people's hearts today and that you would uh, do the watering, Father, and you would cause it to grow and let, let heart healing happen uh, because of this message. I pray that people's hearts and minds and relationships and families would be healed because of this. And Lord, that, that's not too much to ask when we, when we preach about your word and your scripture. Because Lord, your word and scripture is life changing. And we thank you for that today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. So the interesting part of this scripture, when we dive into 17, and this is just a couple of chapters further than where we were last week when we talked about the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. And just a couple of chapters later, we find this, and Jesus is still teaching. How many of you know that Jesus uh, taught a lot? Amen. And only a small portion of what Jesus taught is in the scripture. The scripture said only small, small parts of what Jesus did in his ministry are recorded in the scripture. Jesus was continually teaching because he wanted to prepare us. Amen. He wanted to repair those who, were, who came before us in the first century church. And he wanted to prepare us in, uh, now in year 2021 to know how to live a Christian life and obey him and follow his word and do what he asked us to do. So he taught so much and shared so much that he wanted to prepare us. And then portions of that were put into scripture so that we could read it and be reminded by the Holy Spirit when we need it. How many of you know that when you need something, the Holy Spirit reminds you. It, it, it starts to come up inside of you. Amen. That's why uh, we kind of talked about last week how some people uh, maybe haven't had a whole lot of scripture memorized and maybe you struggle with memorizing scripture, but all of a sudden you're going through a hard season or you're going through a hard moment. And when you went through that moment, all of a sudden a scripture just popped up in your head. Right, A scripture just popped up, and, and maybe just a portion of a scripture, but it just popped up in your head. And the Holy Spirit is our divine reminder. That means that he reminds you what you're supposed to be acting like. He reminds you how you're supposed to be talking, how you're supposed to be living, how you're supposed to be walking out this life. The Holy Spirit reminds you who you are, amen, that when you're not acting like a child of the Most High King, it reminds you, hey there, you're supposed to be acting like a child of the Most High King. Uh, when we're cowering in fear and running in anxiety, the Holy Spirit says, you don't have to do that because Christ already gave you the power to overcome anxiety and fear. So you can stand solid 
solid and strong where you are, amen? Or when you're running in anger and rage and you're mad at your fellow person, fellow man, and you're dealing with issues, and the Holy Spirit comes in and says, hey, it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to sin because you're angry. So when you get angry, you've got to deal with it and deal with it quickly. You've got to deal with it before it causes you to sin, amen? And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He reminds you who you're supposed to be. How many of you have ever got a word from the Holy Spirit in the moment that reminded you who you were supposed to be, right? It's, it's like, man, I, I, I just, my flesh wants to do one thing, but the Holy Spirit says, whoa, guy, you need to back up right now. You, that's not what I've called you to do. That's not who the Lord has called you to be, right? Your flesh in the moment wants to reach out and touch somebody. Your, your, your flesh in the moment wants to hit that accelerator on the gas and, let, and, stop, and not let somebody get in who was trying to pass you in a non-passing zone because you were so angry and now you're road raging out, right? Your flesh wants to do all kinds of things. My flesh on occasion wants to chase somebody down and give them a piece of my mind because their driving skills are horrible. But in that moment, when you go to do that, the Holy Spirit and sometimes my wife will say, stop. <laughs> There's two people in scripture who are known as the paraclete. And the paraclete is the, is the person that comes alongside you and helps you. And the two people in scripture known as the paraclete is the Holy Spirit and the wife. Amen. Because they will both tell you when you're wrong, right? They will, they will both tell you when you need to slow down, stop, turn around, get your wits about you, stop acting like a fool, start acting like a child of the king. Amen. Start acting like royalty, quit acting like the, like the, like the court jester, right? Don't act like the court jester. Quit trying to be a, a mess and turn around and start acting like royalty because that's who you're called to be. And my wife does that to me often, just so you know. So we know in this moment uh, that, that in this scripture, it seems like it turns on a dime. We read the scriptures from verses 1 through 4, and we actually read 1 through 6. But around verse 4, it seems like it turns on a dime. But in verses 1 through 4, it's talking about offenses and how offenses come. And it famously says, woe to him by which offenses come. Right? Jesus is saying that traps will be set for you to fail. There will be opportunities for you to get offended. There will be opportunities for you to get upset. They will come, and they will come on the regular, guys. They will come, and they will be every single day. Uh, every single day, you'll have opportunities to get offended, right? He says these things will come all the time. And he says, but in the next portion, it says you must manage your heart in this way, right? So, so that says take heed of yourselves, it doesn't say that anybody else is responsible for how you act when offenses come. It says take heed of yourselves and how, how you respond when offenses come. That you need to guard your heart and watch your heart and check your heart so that when offenses come, do you wild out and act like a fool or do you begin to walk in your calling of who God called you to be? So when offenses come your way, how you act on them is a perception of how far you've grown in that area of your spiritual walk if you don't act on them very well you haven't grown very well in that portion of your spiritual walk amen we're going to dive into that in a minute so then he goes on to say the person who sets those traps are in danger of the judgment of God the judgment of who the judgment of Steve the judgment of Jessica no it says the judgment of God Woe to him by, by whom those offenses come, because who's going to deal with it? God's going to deal with it. 
And just like every other area of your life, if you trust God with this area, then you don't have to try to deal with it yourself. If you trust God enough in this area, you can trust that he will come in and take care of it, and you never even have to lift a sword. You can trust that he'll come in and, 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 and tear down the walls, and all you got to do is walk around them and praise and shout. Amen. You, you can trust that God will take care of the situation, and then you don't find yourself sinning, running in anger and rage and meanness in the moment trying to deal with the offense because you trust God that God's going to deal with it. And even in those seasons and those moments when it looks like God isn't dealing with it, uh, you can trust and know that indeed he is. Because there's sometimes things that are happening in the spiritual realm that you have no sight of here in the physical realm. God is already moving and working in the spiritual realm a lot of times when we don't see it in the physical. So sometimes you think somebody got away with offending you and causing offense and, and doing things in your life. But in essence, the things are already happening in the spiritual realm that they're going to have to answer to God for the way they treated you. Amen. They're going to have to answer to God for that. So, so it says the person who sets those traps are in danger of the judgment of God. And it, then it goes on to the next step. And it says when a person sins against you, talk about it with them. When a person or a brother offends you, does it say talk about them or talk about it with them? Right. It says it actually says rebuke them. Right? But rebuke is a very strong word that means to, to go confront the situation. That when somebody sins against you or comes against you, this is what happens today is most of the church will go talk about it rather than deal with it. Right? Most of the church will run and talk to their prayer group. Most of the church will go talk to their prayer group about the situation and say, uh, this is something that needs to be dealt with, rather than just walking up to the person who, who needs rebuking in that moment and say, listen, we need to talk about what you did to me or what you said that offended me. It was wrong, and we need to get it covered under the blood today. We need to deal with it, right? So it's talking about going to that person and dealing with the situation. I think we fail here a lot as Christ followers. I think, I think a lot of times we're scared of conflict. You know what I mean? I think we're scared of it. And I don't think God designed us to be scared of conflict. God designed us to deal with conflict in a healthy way, in a spiritual way, in a biblical way, in a godly way. And when you deal with conflict in a godly way, you get a good outcome, right? You, you allow God to move in it. So, so I think a lot of times we're scared of conflict and we run from it. And instead of talking to the person that hurt us, we talk about the person that hurt us. And it's something that we need to do as a church is get better in that area. And when I say as a church, I'm not talking about Redemption Point. I'm talking about the church as a whole, right? The church worldwide. The church, well, at least American-wide. I don't have a lot of, a lot of understanding worldwide. But the church American-wide needs to, needs to get a hold of this issue. And then it says, even when a person sins against you a lot, you must forgive them continuously. Even if a person sinned. Now listen, uh, Peter uh, thought he was being hyper-spiritual when he said, God, if they, if they sin against me seven times and I forgive them, uh, then, then I can be the first pope. No, that's not what he said. But, but he said, if they, if they sin against me seven times and I forgive them, Lord, then I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? Then I'm pretty awesome. And, and Jesus said, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. That whenever somebody sins against you, you're supposed to forgive them. He didn't say whenever as many times as people sin against you that you're supposed to trust them. 
right? So we got to recognize the difference between trust and forgiveness. And we've been talking about this for several weeks. There's a difference between trust and forgiveness, but forgiveness has to come every single time that somebody offends you or somebody comes against you. Forgiveness has to come. And it says, even when a person sins against you a lot, you got to forgive them how many times? A lot. Right? If they sin against you a lot, you forgive them a lot. Uh, and then in the, in the next verse, in verse 5, this is where I'm talking about where it kind of, it, it, it turns on a dime. Right? In just a moment. Like, a matter of fact, if you have a Bible like mine, if you have a New King James Version, it actually has a space and skips a line to denote, hey, we're, we're changing gears here. We're going in a different direction. And it actually labeled it faith and duty. But the more that I dig into this scripture, I don't think that line should be there. I don't think it, sh- it is going in a different direction, but I think Jesus is continuing to teach about two subjects that come together and should be taught together and formed together, and that's that you should have the faith to forgive, that you should have faith. How many of you know that sometimes to forgive somebody who has hurt you, especially if they've hurt you a lot, it takes faith. It takes faith to step out and forgive somebody who has hurt you. And if you don't, if, if you're not forgiving, it's a lack of faith in that area that God's still going to move regardless of whether you make that person pay or not, right? So, so we've got to have faith. The apostles said to the Lord in the very next line, verse 5, they, he said, increase our faith, right? That seems like a huge turn, but it's not. He said, increase our faith. What if Jesus said to forgive that is consistent to the kingdom. If we were to forgive people consistently the way the scripture says that we're supposed to, if we're going to, to forgive people consistently the way Jesus taught that we're supposed to forgive people, then it's going to require great faith on our part. It's going to require great faith that even when you don't feel like you can forgive, you have faith to forgive. That even when you're still hurting, you have faith to forgive that even if they hurt you for the third time that day that you have faith to forgive amen that it requires faith in this moment how many of you know that forgiveness is a commandment but it's a commandment that's for the good of the forgiver right God God placed it all over the New Testament to be a commandment that if we're a follower of Christ we're supposed to forgive If we're a follower of Christ, we're not supposed to hold that stuff in our heart, but we're supposed to let it go. If we're a follower of Christ, then we forgive and we move on, right? And and it says it over and over and over again in Scripture. It's strange in this moment that Jesus says that if you have faith, you say to this tree, right? Did anybody catch that? It said, if you have faith, you say to this tree, not the mountain, right? That's a whole different Scripture. He said, if you have faith, you say to this tree uh, that to be uprooted and tossed into the sea. That if you have enough faith to believe. Now, Mark eleven twenty three talks about the mountain. And the mountain is the one that we, we Christians quote the most. Right? That's the one that we preach about and teach about the most is the mountain. Mark eleven twenty three says, truly I tell you that if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. So there's a difference between Jesus talking about having faith to remove a mountain and having faith to remove a tree. 
How many of you know there seems like a huge difference in size and capacity of faith that it would take to ask a mountain to go to the sea that it would ask to ask a mulberry tree to go to the sea? Amen. It seems like it would require a whole level of faith. But what if he's talking about two different things and it's all in context of where he's preaching from? That if he's talking about the mountain, then he's talking about obstacles in your life. Because mountains represent obstacles, right? And when you have an obstacle in your life, you can have great faith and say that obstacle be removed. And it be removed if you have enough faith, right? But in this moment, in Luke, he's talking about a tree. And it seems like that's just a, just a small obstacle to throw in in a moment where the, where the apostles said, Lord, help us with our faith. Lord, help us with our faith. How many of you know that even in biblical times, they could cut down and move a tree, right? Even in biblical times, they could move a tree. It doesn't seem all that hard. It doesn't seem all that difficult that in biblical times, they could move a tree. But he uses certain phrasing in this moment. He says, uprooted. He says, allow the tree to be uprooted. How many of you have ever cut down trees? Right, about six, seven of us, eight of us. Right, so we we've cut down trees before. How many of you know it's not that difficult to cut down a tree and let it fall? But what if I asked you to go out in the yard and I said, you know, uh, I'm I'm going to pay you for your time and energy, but I'd like you to go out and I'd like you to take that tree up by its roots. I don't want you to just cut down the tree. I want you to pull the tree out of the ground with all of its roots. That's a whole different level, isn't it? That's a whole different thing, that trees have uh, roots that go twice as far as they are tall, right? Root systems that dive down into the earth and, and dig and hold in. But he's saying, you, if you have enough faith, you could say to this tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea, and it would do it. So he's talking about a tree. How many of you think and, and can place scripture together in context that Jesus refers to a tree here because he's talking about forgiveness. And when he talks about forgiveness, he's talking about the roots of bitterness that can come from not forgiving somebody. That he moves, he moves from forgiveness into faith, but then he, instead of using the mountain, which he's talked about before, he uses the roots of a tree to symbolize the roots of bitterness that climb out and dig through people's hearts when you hold on to unforgiveness. When you don't forgive somebody who has come against you, those roots of bitterness begin to grab a hold of your heart. And even if you cut the tree down, how many of you know the roots are still there? You can cut the tree down, but you still have to deal with the roots. The roots have to be uprooted. How many of you have ever seen a tree actually uprooted? And if you live in Florida, you've seen some hurricanes that came through, right? And if you've seen a tree that has been fallen and half the yard went with it, right? The entire yard, you see sod and everything just sticking up in the air because the whole tree fell over, right? A hurricane has the strength and power to do that because a hurricane is known as an act of who? An act of God. So what is it going to take to uproot roots of bitterness in your heart, uh, not just cutting down the tree, but pulling the roots of bitterness out of your heart? What's it going to take? It's going to take an act of who? An act of God. So we've got to allow God to deal with our hearts in those issues and pull them out. Now, you notice in this, in this phrasing, he said it's the apostles, right? It says the apostles act asking for an increase in faith. Right? It, it doesn't say the disciples. It calls them the apostles. Do you guys know what the difference is between the disciples, and these are the same men, and the apostles? The disciples are when they were 
followers of Christ listening and learning, and they were students in the moment. The, to have the accolade of an apostle means that they're leaders, right? They're leaders in this moment. He's recognizing them as leaders for what they're going to do for the, for the kingdom of God and what they're going to do to spread the gospel. He's, he's acknowledging them for who they are, and he calls them apostles, and yet it says the apostles asked, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. How many of you know that you can have a master's degree in most areas of your life and still be stuck in first grade on forgiveness? You can have a master's degree. You can have all this head knowledge about Scripture. You could know all that there is. You could, somebody could throw an obscure biblical name out, and you could tell them a verse and book of where it's located. You could have all this knowledge you can have a master's degree in knowledge in all these areas and be a kindergartner in your faith to forgive. The apostles in this moment recognized as he's teaching about forgiving seven times a day that they need more faith. They recognize in this moment they need more faith to be able to, be able to forgive the way that Christ has asked us to forgive. How many of you know, if it's the foundation of the gospel that we've been preaching about, and it's the foundation of scripture, and it's what God did for us, then we better get studied up in that area for our walk with Christ. Amen? You better quit ignoring uh, how you deal with offenses in your life and start focusing on that area so that you can get it up to par with the other areas that you feel like you're okay in. The other areas where you feel like you're doing pretty good, right? I got, I'm pretty good in these areas, okay? How do you forgive? I'm pretty, listen, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got a master's in divinity. How do you forgive somebody? Listen, I'm, I'm a bishop in this church. How do you forgive somebody? Listen, I'm a pastor. That's who God's called me to be, and that's who I am. How do you deal with offense? Don't tell me your pedigree or your title without telling me how you deal with the basics of the gospel, which is how do I forgive my fellow man? How do I forgive somebody that God has called me to forgive? Because if you're not doing that right, you better stop flaunting your pedigree and your titles and your education. And you better start flaunting the basics, the kindergarten basics of Scripture. How do I forgive? Why is it so hard? If it's the basics of Scripture, why is it so hard? Because it goes against your flesh. It feels good to get head knowledge, and it feels good to be puffed up and to know Scripture, and it feels good to know these things. It doesn't feel good to do things in your life and in your walk that goes against your flesh. So a lot of times we avoid things that don't feel good. Amen? So most often when people deal with offense in an even outrageous way, and I say this, and I say this cautiously today, uh, that some people get triggered by offenses and they get triggered when people uh, come against them or sin against them and they have this huge trigger and it causes them to act contrary to who they are in every other area of their life, then it's a sign of previous abuse in their life. So I want to ask you today that, that God can heal you and God can move on you and God can do miracles. God can move a mountain into the sea and he can uproot a mulberry tree and plant it in the sea. That if you find today that as we're talking about offense and as we're talking about unforgiveness, if you find yourself today clenched in your heart and even getting triggered a little bit by this message, I want you to know that you can go to God for an act of God to uproot that stuff out of your heart. 
that, that the signs of previous abuse, whether that be physical abuse, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, whatever it may be in your life, that whatever came against you that causes you to act the way you act when somebody, dis, uh, when somebody disrespects you or, or somebody just uh, sins against you that causes you to act in an outrageous way, then you recognize you need some deep, deep healing in your soul. You need some deep healing in that area. Amen? Have I lost you this morning? No? You can kind of see why God split up these two messages, can't you? Because they, they needed to be dealt with in different lights, in different ways. And, and this, is, this is something that's heavy for the body, but it's something that we need to apply to our walk and to our life. We need to get this today, church. We need to get this. Matter of fact, Jesus tells a story about forgiveness, about a servant that came before the king. And the king said, you know, you owe me too much. You'll never be able to repay me. There's no possible way that you can repay me all that you owe. So you know what? Uh, it's, it's the year of Jubilee. Boom. I, I write it off. I write it off. There's, you, you don't owe me anything. And the, and the servant was so, so grateful, so overjoyed in that moment that he ran out. And he ran down the road. And he was so excited that all of this pay that he could never repay, all of it had been forgiven. He doesn't owe it anymore. All the weights fell off of his shoulders. And then he saw his fellow servant who owed him 20 bucks. And he put him against the wall and got in his face and said, you owe me my $20 and I want it now. And Jesus is saying, you wicked, wicked servant. You've just been forgiven of more than you, can, than you can work off. You just received eternal life. You just received salvation. You just received the wiping out of all of your sin. Jesus went to the cross for you and was whipped and hung on a cross so that you didn't have to be. And you get eternal life in heaven. And then you're holding a grudge against your neighbor for a property line dispute. Or you're holding a grudge against somebody in church that talked to you a little flippantly one day. Or you're holding a grudge against somebody who, who said or did something behind your back. You wicked servant, Jesus said. That's not my words, that's the words of Jesus. He said, you wicked servant, repent. Repent of holding those offenses. And let them go and recognize that any offense that you have on this earth is nothing compared to what Jesus went through for you to receive eternal life. Amen. That we should be so excited about what Jesus did that we don't hold on to any offense or unforgiveness that anybody has caused us in our life. Amen. I used to, I used to equate this recently in the news. I think it was yesterday. There was somebody from Homosassa that won like $13 million, right, in a scratch-off ticket. Could you imagine somebody winning $13 million in a scratch-off ticket and then getting into a road rage accident, like accident just a, a few seconds later mad because somebody cut them off in traffic? You can't really imagine that, can you? It's like, man, if I just won $13 million, I'd be like, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I'm on my phone shopping for my Lamborghini, you know, whatever. But just go ahead, go ahead, you know, letting everybody go, Right? Listen, we don't condone playing the lottery, right? It's not, it's not a condone. But I just use that as an example today that you guys won the lottery. Not just you guys, we guys. We won the lottery. Jesus came to this earth and died on my behalf. I don't have to pay back for the sins that I did. 
I get eternal life because of what Jesus did for me. So in this life, I'm going to be going, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, you want out? Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no worries. I'm going to sit in the back row, and I give you honor to the front row because that's what God taught, right? You, you go ahead. I'm going to be back here, and, and listen, you just go, oh, you want my food? I, I'll give you my food, you know. Oh, you want my shirt? I'll give you the shirt too, you know. I, I, listen, I'm so thankful for what Christ did for me that I'm going to treat everybody with so much love that they can't stand it, right? I mean, listen, there's a waitress at a restaurant that my wife and I I go to and it's a little uncomfortable man because she's so loving right she comes to the table and it's it's loving on a whole different level for a waitress at a restaurant right and if you're here today please forgive me and how I but but you have to forgive me right but but this you go sit at a restaurant man and and, and she comes by and she's like just hey can I get you anything oh That pasta looks so good. Are, are you enjoying it? Do you need me to wipe your mouth? You know, it's just uncomfortable, right? I'm like, I'm like, whoa, like take a couple steps back. Like I'm just trying to have a conversation with my wife and eat some pasta, you know, like leave me alone, you know. But, but that's how really how we should be. Like we should be so loving that it makes people uncomfortable. And I'm not talking about with your hands. Right? Don't be, don't be making people uncomfortable with your hands. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't take it anywhere I'm not saying. Right? But, but, but we should be so loving to people that they're like, what is wrong with that person? Like, what is wrong with them? Man, I just flat out just cussed them out. And they smiled and said, all right, have a good day. Man, they got to be on some good medication. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, man, I need medication to act like that, right? But, but listen, the, the, the medicine is the joy of the Lord, right? The joy of the Lord is my strength, and, and the laughter from God is my medicine. And, and just, just knowing how good he is to us can make us straighten ourselves out. And listen, I'm not up here today telling you that, that I don't ever get it wrong because I do. Matter of fact, I, I get angry, I get mad, I get upset, I get all of those things. But I'm telling you today that for all of us, on the stage, off the stage, all of us, in the balcony, on the floor, all of us need to do better. Amen. And we all need to do better. Amen. We need to make people wonder what in the world is wrong with us because we love people so much. Right? And that's kind of taking it to a master's degree in forgiveness. That's taking it to a master's degree in dealing with offense. And listen, we're never going to be perfect on this side of heaven. So don't, don't take this as a moment to be condemned and walk in condemnation and say, oh, my gosh, I've got so far to go. I might as well not even try. You know, I, I'm so mean that, that my neighborhood kids won't even step in my yard, you know, whatever. But, but don't take it to a point of condemnation today because I want you to know that you'll never be perfect this side of heaven. What you can be doing is be trying. What you can be doing is be listening to the Holy Spirit. And in those moments when you're in the McDonald's drive through and it hasn't moved three cars in 15 minutes, and you're trapped because there's a big truck behind you and a big truck in front of you, and you can't even get out of the drive-thru, and you're just trapped, and you feel it boiling up on the inside, that in that moment you say, yes, Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful, Lord, that I have a car. 
I'm so thankful, Lord, that I'm not walking today, that I have a car to drive around in. Lord, I'm so thankful that I live in the United States of America and I get to pull into a drive-thru and somebody makes me food and I get to hand them $3.56 and they hand me a sausage cheese McMuffin and an orange juice. And Lord, I get to eat that on my way to work and I don't have to worry about where my meal is coming from. And I don't have to walk 20 miles with grain and water on top of my head because that's the only place to get food for my family and trek it back. But in this moment, I don't deserve to be upset and angry. In this moment, because I have to wait a few extra minutes, doesn't mean that I get to act a fool. Amen? That we can all be just humbled and grateful in that moment. So you, you can be, guys, on an apostolic level in giftings and callings. You can be on an apostolic level in your giftings and callings and who you are. You can be on that level and still be struggling with forgiving people who need it. Still be struggling. And it's hard. It's hard. But the truth is that we're called to be instruments of God's love, not instruments of God's judgment. Sometimes we can get so stuck in our flesh that we think we're the instruments of God's judgment. So-and-so offended me. I need to deal with them in a harsh manner. No. Going to them and rebuking them is not necessarily dealing with them in a harsh manner. It's going to them and saying, hey, can we have a moment and sit down? Because I really need to talk to you about what happened between us. And it's coming to somebody lovingly and saying, hey, will you, will you share this? Will you, will you talk with me about this? And listen, if they don't receive it and they get up and leave and they haven't received what you've tried to do, shake the sand off of your sandals, as to use a scriptural reference. Knock the dirt off your shoes. Get up from the table and roll on about your life and know that you did what Jesus asked you to do. Right? So, so understand that and don't hold the grudge. Don't let those roots of bitterness come in. So sometimes the church guys can be so one-track minded. And we, we can be so one-track minded that we teach and speak that, that praise will fix anything. Right? And that anything we're going to, if I, just, if I just praise, I can praise my way through it. Right? And there's truth in that. There's truth in praising your way through a situation. There's power in our praise. Uh, you should praise your way through situations. Our praises go up. Blessings come down. Right? Hey, there, we, we sing that stuff. We believe that stuff. We, we believe that you should praise through your situations. But I'm going to ask you today to dig just a little deeper in yourself for a moment. If you're not experiencing the relationship with God that other people maybe talk about or that you used to have, that you used to have that relationship with God and you're just not experiencing God showing up and showing out in your life in that way anymore or the way you see him, other people experiencing him. And, and if you take note of your life and you say, okay, well, I'm a giver, I'm a tither. So I don't have any blockage in my finances and in my heart with giving. There's no blockages there. And you say, well, I come to church on a regular basis. I'm here every Sunday, right? So there's no blockage in my time. I'm giving God of my time and my energy. Right? I'm giving God the first portion of the week, which is Sunday morning, right? I'm giving that to God. So there's no blockage there. I'm spending time in word and in prayer. So there's no blockage in my spirit. There's nothing blocking uh, me from, from my relationship with God. But then in this moment, you say, well, I may have another blockage in my strength. There may be something else that's blocking me from being able to walk with God in the fullness of what he has asked for in my life. 
The good news of the gospel is that we are forgiven. The tough news of the gospel is that if you've been forgiven, you have to forgive others. You have to forgive others. So I just went to West Virginia a couple of weeks ago and visited and spent some time with my mom. And while I was there, uh, there's creeks and rivers and stuff everywhere that flow by the mountains. And you can just see them. And I, I was thinking through this message and writing this message while I was up there. And, and I thought about uh, West Virginia creeks as a kid. And I thought about the times that it was beautiful, like flowing water, clear, flowing over rocks and around mountains and around curves. And it just looked so beautiful. Uh, me and some of my friends would get up in the summertime and uh, when we didn't have school and we would meet up in just shorts and, and, a, and a fishing pole, man. And I was, I was the quintessential redneck little kid, you know, with, with no shoes and shorts and a, and, a, and a fishing pole, you know. And we would get in the creek and we would start walking and fishing and just hanging out and having fun. And, and we would go for miles in this creek. And then eventually when we got tired of it or got done or it got too late, we would get out of the creek and walk the road, you know, back to our houses. And, and, and I just remember seeing all this beautiful flowing water. And I saw that this time, too, as I drove down the roads. I saw this beautiful flowing water just flowing over mountains and creeks. And, and it was just flowing, and it was so gorgeous. But then it, it reminded me in this message that sometimes we would come to a – would you show the picture, Alex, of the just streaming water? Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. You know, and you just look out and, and there's these beautiful rocks and you see some white in the water because it's flowing so fast that it's, that it's building up these heads and it's just, it's just gorgeous, right? And the trees around it and how beautiful it is. And then every once in a while, while we're in that creek, we would come to a section that looks like the next picture. It would look like this. And there was so much junk piled up in this area. Uh, and it's, it's twofold. One, it's from certain people that just didn't appreciate nature and how beautiful uh, God had created that area. And they just threw their trash in the, in the stream to be washed away. And eventually all that trash would collect in an area because a tree fell and, and the water could go through, but the trash couldn't. And all of a sudden the trash started to collect. And then some seasons there's, there's just floodwaters that come through and it washes up the banks. And because people left trash laying on the banks, it went into the stream Right? But every once in a while as a kid, I remember running into this. And you would be in this beautiful water, and then all of a sudden you would turn a corner, and it would be a little stinky. Like the, the, the water would be stagnated. It would be a little green, and there would be so much trash built up that there would be bugs, sometimes snakes and, and rats and just other critters hanging out in it. you know. And, and it's it just all this trash just kind of collected and bottlenecked up. And it was bottlenecking the stream. All right, the stream was trying to find ways around it, but in this moment, it was just a nasty, stagnated mess. And when I, when I thought about that in reference to forgiveness and in reference to this scripture, uh, Matthew 5.8 came to my heart. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And this, if this is a picture of our hearts, these two pictures, that when we don't uh, let anything block it, and we allow offenses to move off and we allow uh, heartache to move off and we allow grief to eventually move on and not capture our heart forever. And we allow things to not collect there that it looks like that first picture that it's the water is just flowing and flowing out of our heart. As a matter of fact, John seven thirty eight says, he who believes in me as the scripture said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Right? That as we believe in Christ and follow Christ, that represents our, our heart. But then when we start allowing offenses and unforgiveness to creep in, it looks like the other, the other photo. It begins to, 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 
look like a mess and it begins to stagnate and honestly it gets a little stinky and it's something that we need to deal with so today I want to encourage everybody Pastor Brad come help me I'm not sure you know where where the Lord wants us to go right now but I kind of I kind of feel it Church, would you stand with me? I want to ask you this morning just a, a couple of questions. One, as we were dealing with offense and as we were dealing with unforgiveness and we were dealing with those struggles, I want to ask you, did your heart kind of clench up in that moment? Did your heart, like, did your chest get tight? when we started talking about how you deal with offenses and whether you're stuck in kindergarten in that area of your life or not? Did your heart clench up? Did your chest clench up? And if it did, uh, I want to ask you today, in this moment, because uh, can I tell you the Holy Spirit is here, and the Holy Spirit wants to do work in your heart and in your life. And God doesn't want your heart to be just closed off. God doesn't want your heart to be plugged up. God doesn't want your heart smelly and disgusting and all of these things that don't belong there just piled up and making what he made to be beautiful and what he made to be pure and what he made to be clean, uh, making it unclean. Because the opposite of that scripture is also true, that blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. But if you think about the opposite of that scripture is also true, which is cursed are the impure in heart for they're separated from relationship with the Lord. And if we don't have a pure heart, there's a blockage there. And if you've been watching people and saying so-and-so gets blessed and so-and-so gets this and God just moves on them and they're so full of joy and happiness, they're smiling. Man, how come I don't have that? And you evaluate your life and you say, I don't block God in any area of my life. I'm a giver. I have a giving heart. I come to church. I give my time to the Lord. I give my time to him and study and Bible study. I, I study to show myself approved. Yeah, I do what the scripture says in these areas. Maybe you have a hurt in your life that you refuse to let go of. And you've refused to let it go. And this morning you say, Pastor Steve, yeah. You know, I, I, in this message coming in here today, I wasn't even thinking about it. So thanks for making me thinking about it, Pastor Steve. But in this message, I recognize and realize that there is a blockage in my spiritual walk and it's, and it's unforgiveness and it's something that I'm holding against other people. And I don't care if you teach Sunday school. I don't care if you preach on occasion. I don't care what happens, what you do for God. That is, that is nothing to do with this situation right now. But if your heart is stuck, I want to ask you to get out of your seat and just come to the altar. If it's something that you're struggling with, I want to pray with you today. If it makes you feel comfortable, I'll, I'll put on a mask. We'll use, I'll use hand sanitizer or whatever. But I just, I want to lay hands on you today and I want to pray with you for those situations. So Pastor Brad is going to start singing. And if it's, if you just need God to pull it out. And it may be unforgiveness. It may be hurt. It may be bitterness. It may be grief that has just hung on way too long because you haven't let it go. 
whatever it is that's blocking up the streams of your life, I want you to come up today and acknowledge to the Lord that today, God, I give it to you. Today, God, I let you have it. I let you have it. Amen. Pastor Brad, will you pray for us? And Pastor Kenny and Pastor Rushing and Pastor Mike, would you guys come up and help me pray for people today? There is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain.